Hear that? Believe it or not, summer is just around the corner. Luckily, Armorall, America's most trusted auto appearance brand, has what your car needs to get that perfect summer shine. Plus, now through May 31st, we'll give you $5 for every $20 you spend on Armorall products. That means car wash pods, protectant, tire shine, you name it. Find out how to get your $5 rebate at Armorall.com. Armorall, less work, more clean. Terms apply. This is the John Oakley Show podcast. Well, 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 good afternoon and welcome to the midweek edition. It's Wednesday already. You know, I'm thinking it's Wednesday and Jerry Diaz is still pissed. You know, I'm, I'm not saying that in any mocking way, but uh, I'm almost in admiration because I can't even do anything I like for three, four days running. You know what I mean? And this guy, he's still, I mean, the anger is palpable, obviously. You heard him just a moment ago. He was talking down there in the U.S. of A. of slapping 40% tariffs on <laughs> automobiles coming out of Mexico. Yeah, I don't know how that's going to work exactly, but uh, good luck to him. You know, this thing uh, continues to fester, and uh, it has also spawned all kinds of interesting, uh, let's call them ancillary discussions about whether or not Canada could support its own domestic industry. I don't know that that's conceivable, given that, you know, economies of scale and everything like that, and would we be shut out of the uh, export market to the states? You know, these kinds of things. But Frank Stronach's going to join us here shortly on the program. He, of course, the founder of Magna International. And uh, since this is the world's largest auto parts manufacturer, in many instances, actually manufacturing the bulk of cars to be branded by some of the, well, well-known brands internationally, uh, maybe there is something to all that. But what it would take is of interest, I think, to a lot of people at this point, because the conjecture is such that people think, well, you know, maybe we could just take over the GM plant in Oshawa if GM quits it, and then whatever we do, reconfigure it, or do what Buzz Hargrove did back there about 20 years ago uh, when they threatened to pull up stakes and leave. Welded the door shut, said they're damn well not taking our tools and dies, and we're going to, and they confiscated them or held them hostage. Buzz, by the way, will be joining us later on the program, as he does every Wednesday, along with the former Premier Ernie Eves and Catherine Swift, who's, of course, uh, the former head of the Canadian Federation of Independent Business. Business has a lot to do with this as well. I mean, they're going to suffer the consequences, the ripple effect, or so on and so forth. But you know where else you're starting to see this kind of impact, too? Uh, just the economics of it all. That fall economic statement, by the way, that Bill Morneau came out with last week, didn't leave a lot uh, to go on for insofar as Canada's competitiveness is concerned. And a lot of people, Catherine Swift included, a uh, little miffed by all of that. She will weigh in in her feisty uh, way, of course. That's just part of the territory. But on other matters, I mean, uh, this is something that has everybody confounded because, you know, I see, look, there's a story now that the... Uh, migrant caravan that's heading towards this well some of it's already arrived on the border of the united states with mexico and <laughs> there have been clashes there tear gas was fired from the american side because uh i guess about a couple of hundred of these migrants tried to bum rush the border and they were repelled by tear gas from the military the people who were there the border patrol i guess but the military's been seconded to go down there and have a presence and there's a concern for a lot of the uh the labor component in those bordering states because migrants who come in unskilled, willing to work for next to nothing, depress wages. That becomes another matter of concern. 
By the way, Mark Stein's going to join us after 5 o'clock, our friend who will weigh in on that story. Bill and Hillary Clinton having come to town last night. A word out as well that Nancy Pelosi was just uh, re-elected as the Democratic House Speaker. The House having reverted to the Dems in the midterms just a couple of weeks back. Which is kind of interesting because Nancy Pelosi uh, is a divisive figure within her own party. And the progressive wing did not want her. Some of the young upstarts. You know, the young uber-left Turks in the party. And so she's there now, whether or not that uh, says anything for the next presidential campaign. We'll see. Mr. Stein, as I say, Mark Stein after 5 (sighs) o'clock. You know, the uh, idea, though, that uh, there is an issue with the migrants coming and depressing wages, there's also another story in Bloomberg that uh, talks about the housing crisis in Toronto. And when I read some of these uh, rather, you know... uh, disconcerting uh, sagas of people trying to find rental accommodation. Like the uh, Toronto Community Housing has set up uh, a lottery for 75 rental apartments. But uh, if you want to get in, your chances are about 50 to 1 that you'd cop a place because uh, there are 3,779 others, 3,779 others who are in the lottery. And uh, part of the reason is that this country is undergoing the biggest population boom since 1957. And it sent prices surging here in Toronto. They go on to say that Canada took in a record 413,000 people from abroad in the year through July 1, year over year, from last, well, as of July 1. 413,000. And that's pushed population growth to 1.4% the fastest in the group of seven. And they say, here's the kicker, about 100,000 of those immigrants have landed in Toronto in the past year, and that includes refugee claimants. So that stresses the city's support system. Now, the argument about immigration uh, and its being a boon to the economy, I'm sure we've heard that, and uh, I don't dispute or disagree with that because a lot of immigrants, you know, with upstart businesses and they have the entrepreneurial spirit here to make a better life for themselves. They come with skills because that's the way this system works as opposed to the United States necessarily. They got the lottery system, which seems cockamamie and uh, counterproductive. But 100,000 in Toronto alone. And we're not upgrading the infrastructure. And the housing situation is such that they ain't no place to put them, so what it does through the, the laws of supply and demand, it drops a lot of people on the lower rung, the socioeconomic rung, out of the sweepstakes for housing. Ergo, there you've got a problem, unless they move elsewhere. And that's why I'm wondering, you know, 413,000, should we be accommodating this many folk? Can we afford to? It's a topic worthy of discussion. We'll get to it with our panel in an hour. I also like at some point to uh, give you a shot at answering that question. Should we be taking in so many immigrants, refugees, and asylum seekers if it's leading to a housing crisis and depressed wages? There you go. Now, it becomes a little more complex, as you can appreciate, because there are a lot of jobs that, let's call them domestic workers, will not take. You know, seasonal employment uh, in the agricultural industry, cleaning office buildings, On construction sites, hard-to-find workers. I mean, a lot of them do get airlifted in on visitors' visas and overstay. They're the undocumented ones in a sanctuary city. doesn't really matter, but 
Nonetheless, these are the kinds of things that need housing and infrastructure is taxed to the max. It's the biggest population boom since 1957. Richard Florida, you know that famous guy who's a prof at the University of Toronto, he says, we're at a point right now where given the amount of people, industries we're attracting, we're already becoming terribly unaffordable for everyone. We're at a crisis and we don't even realize it. Our transit, traffic problem, and housing problem are urgent matters. And then when you look at the housing situation, condo completions have been running near a five-year low of about 10,000 units. Only about 60 purpose-built rental buildings have been constructed since 2005, bringing a meager 11,620 units to market over the, the span of what? <laughs> to the math, 13 years, while the city's been creating about 17,000 renter households a year. So you can't sustain it. This is a model that doesn't work. <laughs> We're in a situation. Condo rents have soared 7.6% to an average $2,385 in the third quarter over the same period a year ago, up 17% for newly available purpose-built units. And Doug Ford recently took off rent controls for uh, new avails, which is supposed to entice people to want to build, developers and such. You know, the apartment vacancy rate in Toronto right now is at a half percent. Yeah, I can believe that. As somebody who rents an apartment, that sounds about right. I mean, I'm a, you know, gainfully employed young man. And in the 10 years I've lived in this city, I've watched rents skyrocket. Right. Again, it's supply and demand. But, you know, when the numbers of the demand are, you know, perhaps never appreciated till I just read you some of these things from the Bloomberg report. I mean, it tells you if you're taking in for the country 413,000, of which a quarter are settling in Toronto, you know, something's got to give. And then the question is, do we turn off the taps or is it uh, at the other end that we have to address this with the affordable housing? And you see, I make that argument because, again, stateside, one of the arguments against uh, deterring massive waves of unskilled immigrants or migrants, asylum seekers effectively, is they depress wages. So I'm saying if they depress wages there, I mean, arguably you could say the same here. I don't know the actual economics of it. But housing is one thing that we're starting to see a direct and immediate impact on. So, you know, uh, we've got a lot of asylum seekers coming our way. They've already taxed the shelter system. About 47% of the shelter system is given over to asylum seekers that were welcomed in by our Prime Minister. What it also does is it increases the clout of the landlord when the supply exceeds the demand like that. I mean, 10 or 15 years ago, in the last 10 or 15 years, the kind of demands that are being made when you rent an apartment are have become extraordinary. No cats, no dogs, no smoking, no friends over, no cooking. Do you have apartment insurance? We need 15 references. Sure. Well, again, laws of supply and demand. When you got a a half a percentage point vacancy rate, you know, supply and demand. They got the supply and they can demand whatever the hell they want. Uh, that's how that works. And yet the uh, chief executive officer of Rio Can, the real estate investment trust, uh, Ed Sunshine, in an interview was saying, they're interested in getting into the market, but government incentives need to be higher. Whoa, there you go, government incentives. I'm not exactly clear what that means, but everybody's sort of rent-seeking, so to speak. You know, when it comes to uh, government incentives, 
I also have a sneaky suspicion that this is GM's end game. Uh, in a, an election year, uh, if they're trying to retool to go into electric vehicles and autonomous in a big, big way, and they pull the plug on GM, this creates an air of desperation. And when politicians flounder about to try to figure out some way to forestall what looks to be the inevitable, they're going to promise things that we may have difficulty, in other words, uh, meeting, I won't say difficulty meeting our obligation, they just print more cash. But nonetheless, this is where we get into a dilemma with General Motors and whether or not uh, we should accede to their wishes down the road or do we go domestic with our own industry and what's the likelihood of that? We're going to ask Frank Stronach that as our first order of business on the Wednesday edition. He joins us next, the founder of Magna International is on the line, and we'll get to him here on the Oakley Show, Global News Radio, 640 Toronto. Thanks for listening to the John Oakley Show podcast. Be sure to rate, review, and subscribe for free at Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and anywhere else you get your on-demand audio.